Welcome to Workers Rock, a podcast that explores the fact that we have the power to change the culture of employment across the globe. Tonight on Workers Rock, Episode 2, we meet with three advocates from the trans community in Los Angeles, Chloe Corcoran, in Rochester, Penny Sterling, and also in Rochester, New York, Patrick Petoni. My name is Emirate Miller, pronouns she, her, and the host of Workers Rock, a part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Ladies and gent, I'll let you self-introduce. Hi, Emirate. Thanks for having me on today. My name is Chloe Corcoran. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I work in higher education on top of my advocacy work for the trans community and appeared in an audio reality show called Being Trans. And I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, Chloe. Hi, Penny. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. I'm Penny Sterling. My pronouns are she, her, hers as well. Um, I am a uh, storyteller, actor, comedian, depending on who's asking and why. I'm also a suicide crisis counselor. Thanks, Penny. Mm -hmm. Hi, Patrick. Hi. So thanks for having me. And I'm Patrick Petoni, and my pronouns are he and him. And I'm actually the senior manager of the Transgender Center of Excellence at Trillium Health. Um, and that is an LGBTQ health center in Rochester. And I've been there uh, almost seven years now doing this work. Okay, so who will be in the Super Bowl with the Bills? <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, interesting enough, are going to be in the Super Bowl with the Bills. That's going to be kind of an interesting thing to happen because they're playing on Sunday. But, um, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Who's going to make it? Because this is recorded before the Super Bowl, so let's make some uh, friendly bets. I don't know. It's not going to be my team. The Bears, they never go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very hopeful for a 49ers win in the Super Bowl. 49ers? Are they even in the playoffs, Chloe? Oh, my gosh. You're killing me. Okay, tell me you don't follow the NFL without telling me you don't follow the NFL. They are one of the top two teams, with all due respect to the Ravens, in the NFL right now. And they're planning to win the Super Bowl for me. Everett's just out here looking to fight. You're listening to Workers Rock, Episode 2, Trans at Work. All right, let's dive right in. So we work. There's no way around it. What is it like transitioning in place at the same job? Were all of you able to transition at the same job? I transitioned at um, a job I no longer have, and I was terrified. I was working in sports, uh, a group called Sports Channel, mm-hmm. and we did coverage of uh, Division One sports and football across New York State. And I was hired as a producer-director. So the person that showed up that first day was nothing like the person who showed up at the first interview, where I had this really big bushy beard and I was kind of overweight and I was grumpy. I was not presenting female, but I was presenting much more feminine, I guess you could say, as I was discovering who I was. Uh, By the end of that year, I realized that I was transgender and I was not going to be content until I transitioned fully. That's amazing. So, Penny, you interviewed for the job while you were transitioning. No, I interviewed for the job before I even admitted to myself. I was still I was still deeply invested in being a man at that point. I was uh-huh. actually doing a whole bunch of I was in a bunch of turmoil actually. Really just like I was dying on the inside but not on mm-hmm. the outside, but I was trying to mm-hmm. hide it. 
Right. And, and I, I stopped not hiding it in April. And I worked the entire year without telling them. It was my, my job was basically the last thing I, I told them. I figured that way they couldn't fire me because they were not going to find somebody who could fill my spot uh, without, you know, without first having crashing and burning. I see. Yeah. Um, Chloe? Yeah, I had a little bit different experience in that I left as one person and came back as a more full person of myself at the same position. And I think what Penny really hits on there is the fear of losing your job when you transition, even in states that have rights that supposedly protect you. Those rights are only as good as the people who want to protect you. And if those people aren't in place, there's always a reason that they can find to say, hey, you don't belong here anymore, or we just don't want you. And of course, they won't say it that way. People get forced out, unfortunately, way too often. And it's important to know your rights and to know what's going on when those things start to happen and document, 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 because you have to have your own back in those situations. I'm fortunate in that I've stayed in the same career field in higher education, but I did have mm -hmm. to leave my hometown because of an employment situation. And now that's how I found myself out here in California and now down in Los Angeles after a short time in Sacramento. Okay, Patrick. So mine was a little bit different. <laughs> I, I actually transitioned on the job um, and I was in a big company that had like 300 employees and at the time, um, the standards were that I had to see a counselor to get through the process. What year was this about? Well, this was actually 1987. Ah. So it was quite a while ago. And mm -hmm. um, at that point, we didn't have diversity statements. Right. It just wasn't around then. So the counselor told me that I must be crazy that most people leave the state. So, ah. so but I decided to stay put because I had been there seven years. And I thought, well, you know, we'll see how this goes. And actually, I actually had a good experience. But again, I have to um, remember that it was a male-dominated field. It was a printing company. I'd always been in printing. If I, if I identified as a trans-feminine person, it would have been a lot harder. Right. Because, you know, I was, they saw me as, okay, you're joining our team, basically. But what I did is I told the employees or my coworkers, I said, you know, if you have questions, please ask me instead of talking about me. I'd rather talk to you about it than, you know, and they did. A lot, a lot of employees had questions. And they approached me and it was a three-year process that I went through. So it, it ended up working out okay, but I was just lucky. Do you remember the three of you the day when you introduced yourself as your new name? Do you mean at work? or At in work or in general? Like, do, yeah. do you remember that day? There were several days. I told my family first and then I told a bunch of friends. Then I, I told my church. And then I told my uh, my boss at work the the last person that I told about this, and I was terrified, <laughs> was my bike mechanic, walking in to uh, the repair shop as Penny was terrifying. Right. Regarding name changes, Patrick, was it easy for your employer to support you when you were changing your name? Like, how did that happen? How did that work over the three years? It was really easy for me again, and I'm just lucky because my name was Pat before. <laughs> so uh -huh. um, I, I changed it to Patrick just to make it easier on my family. Right. Um, and now years later, I think I could have any cool name I wanted. Why did I keep the same one? <laughs> but um, it was it was okay. But it took people, they were already calling me Pat, so it wasn't a big switch. 
Yeah. Chloe, what, what are some issues with name changes on the job? Like what, what did you experience? So some of the issues are even when there's a willingness to jump right in, use somebody's chosen name, use somebody's new name, even if it hasn't been updated quite legally yet, is that the technology systems don't have a space for that. They've never considered that. They don't have a space necessarily for pronouns or a way for you to update your gender or those types of things. So that can be quite difficult on a structural level. And it's something that organizations have to consider when they're looking at their human resources software and those types of things. When I changed my name, I was fortunate to be able to do that Shortly thereafter, I did have a drop dead date, November 19th. Shouldn't call it a drop dead date. A start to live date would be the right way to go about it. And I came out at work the day after the federal election results came out in 2016, which I've always had a thing for timing. So that was uh, quite an interesting time for trans folks and quite a time of change and, you know, oddly enough, transition in a lot of ways. So trying to make sure that we're able to take care of ourselves was really important. And I really like what Patrick hit on because I also feel very lucky because I'm still employed and I'm still finding uh, good jobs. I'm finding good people to work with. And yeah, absolutely. You've had some very rough experiences, but I also consider myself very lucky. All three of you, you you did this one time and then, but you didn't know what you were going to face. Like, what are some surprises? What are some things at work that you had no clue that would happen? Um, I can touch on that. Um, I, you know, they gave me the option of whether I wanted to start using the men's room and I didn't feel comfortable because not just myself, but I didn't want to make my coworkers feel uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's different in the men's room because you're walking in and everyone's, you know, at the urinals. And so I waited a while. So what I did is I used the customer restroom, which was a single restroom. I used that for months and probably a year. Patrick, you touched on something that I often state about the trans experience is that so many people say that they're afraid or they're not sure what to do and i was liking it to like well you know it's kind of like you look at a at a bumblebee or a yellow jacket you know we're more afraid of you than you are of us mm-hmm. when i moved to california my first position i found this out a couple months after was that three women got together and went to human resources and said that they would not say use the same restroom as me and human mm-hmm. resources at this new position actually had my back now mind you i had not even started the position yet and human resources told those three women that they were welcome to use the bathroom in another building if they would like to do so thank you for sharing I know that um, in our signatures, we put our pronouns and that's something that's caught on. It seems like most organizations and most people do put their pronouns in emails and their signatures. Has that helped raise awareness? Yeah, one of the things that is important is that it's not just trans people using pronouns in their signature and their introductions and those types of things, because then that does mark us. It does single us out as being different or something along those lines. So when other people are doing it too, it's helpful. It creates a more of a sense of community, I think. I think so too. I mean, I I deal with pronouns all day long because we have around 20, almost 2,200 trans patients at Trillium. Um, and that's, you know, it's a big umbrella. It includes Did non-binary. you say 2,200? 2,200, yes. Is that just in the Rochester, Monroe County area? Yes. That doesn't, that includes people moving here from other states also. Well, speaking of careers, how have your identities influenced your professional journeys? <laughs> yeah. So mine is really influenced it. I mean, I switched from printing to healthcare uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, when I started at Trillium, 
I could disclose or I couldn't disclose. They left it up to me. They said it would be great if I could, but I didn't in the beginning. But the thing is, um, I realized that it really put the patients in a more relaxed state. You know, they felt right, like they could right. talk to me and I understood. So it's really, uh, it, it's been great to do this work. They realize that they're not just talking to uh, a person that doesn't understand and is going to judge them that I've been there. So it really helps quite a bit. I mean, patients will tell me things they won't even tell the providers, which is nice right. because they open right. up to me. My, uh, my life or my background has really helped my job, actually. They're fortunate to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Chloe, how has your identity influenced your professional journey? Coming into my own identity has made me a much better professional across the board. I am more fully myself at work. I am more comfortable. I am more effective and I am more successful for the institutions that I work for. It's also brought me into the realm of public speaking and public advocacy. I was able to do the audio reality show because of my trans identity and being so outspoken and willing to share my life with well, anybody who wants to listen. So it's made me a better professional, but it's also made me consider other opportunities and how what I do doesn't just impact me and the people in my immediate circle, it impacts many others. I remember the first book that I read where I understood that it was okay for other people to be transgender was by an author who responded to my email to her by saying, part of your job, Chloe, now is to do for others whatever it is you feel I've done for you. So mm -hmm. I thought about that, how this person I had never met had made such an impact on my life and how many people have done that for me. And I want to be able to be a person who can do that for others. That's great. Penny? Well, I no longer work in sports or television, so there's that. Um, about 18 months after uh, I transitioned, the, the channel shut down. Uh, not mm -hmm. because and I lost my job, not because I was bad at it or because I was transgender, just because um, television is changing rapidly. Right. I was, and I was applying for jobs left and right in the television or the television and video industry in any way, shape, or form, and I never got one. I had callbacks, and I uh, would interview, and then, um, or, or, and then after a while, that even stopped. Mm. And I was seeing jobs that I had applied for that would have been perfect for me, like appear again. And I'm going, mm. I, I've lapped unemployment. It was six years between my uh, 48 days short of six years that I was, I did not have full-time employment. Man. So, How long have you been in this job here? Since March. I am now a 988 crisis counselor. Mm. Being transgender, actually, the whole, the whole journey that I have gone through from being really a a very toxic man back at the turn of the millennium uh, to who I am now. I spent the first 15 years of the 2000s trying to be the least toxic man that I could be and unlearning all of these different things until I finally came to the conclusion that I had to get rid of more than the tox toxic and toxic masculinity. So having done that and had having done a lot of work on myself has made me really really sensitive and uh, aware of what it's like to be lost mm -hmm. and what it's like to be thrown a lifeline and to be helped. Since since I transitioned, the other thing that I've done is I've started performing. I've done, I've written 
five separate hour-long or hour-plus shows since 2017, which is when I wrote my first one, Spy in the House of Men, a one-woman show with balls. Mm-hmm. Get it? It's a joke. Laugh. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. What can employers do to better protect information related to your gender identity and privacy? Uh, I can give a suggestion. When, when our patients come in and they don't have a job and they're looking for work, I always suggest certain places to go. And one of the places is Wegmans. And they actually, when you go in, they, get, they ask you what your pronoun is and what your preferred name is. And that's the only thing that goes on your badge. So your coworkers never know what your legal name or your, your birth name was. Um, and they, it follows you through, even if you haven't changed your name legally. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. So yeah. no matter what, you'll be called by your preferred name. Yes, that's all they know. Period. Your, wow. Your yeah. So it's really it's really a good policy. And mm-hmm. uh, I, have a, I have a lot of people, you know, friends, friends in general that have gone to work there and been promoted. And, you know, it's, it's really good. See, that's awesome, Patrick. And, and a quick tip for everybody listening out there. If somebody tells you what their name is, that is their real name. Don't say, yeah, but who are you really? What is your real name? No, that is the real name. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad to hear that there's a company acting in that way. Um, for all, are there challenges in the healthcare system that affect trans people? Yes, I can definitely answer that one. Yeah, what are some of those challenges? Well, one of the challenges is we're not, we can't change the name, name in the chart until they give us an insurance card. So they have to go through the name process, get it all changed with insurance, and then we can change their chart. We always have a preferred name right on the face page, and we always refer to a person by the name that they, they are. You know, we never go by the birth name unless it's a mistake. And the other thing I think about healthcare is the fact that one of the reasons we have so many patients at Trillium is because they feel welcome and they feel safe. And I've had, you know, I've had my own experiences in the past um, where they just they just aren't taught that in medical school. Yeah. So do you know how you can tell a a transphobic medical professional from a supportive medical profession? Emmerich, do you know? No. Neither do I. Um, and that's the hard part uh, a lot of times is you have no idea who you're going to be dealing with, especially if in your, you're in that, that zone between where your, your name is not yet legally changed. Right. Uh, and even though you tell people and you work with the system to like make sure that they know that this is the name you want to be called, even though my name still is legally something else, mm-hmm. you'll get that you'll get you'll get dead named as we like to use or it, unfortunately we have to use sometimes the, the the worst event that i ever had was um i had hurt my wrist and i was going to get x-rayed and so i went to the x-ray place and i went to there and i said my name is and i gave i said my name is penny sterling and mm-hmm. they looked around and they said oh here you are and i could see that my chart had my name right at the top right 10 minutes later someone a, a tech comes out and calls my dead name I'm not the only person in the in the waiting room, so I figured maybe it's somebody else. And again, she was, dead name, dead name, mm-hmm. dead name. And then she looked right at me, dead name. Mm-hmm. Do you mean Penny? Mm-hmm. And she looked at the chart and said, "Oh, I guess that's there too. Which one should I call you?" Yeah, I said, think that she would realize it. Like yeah. as a human, we take cues. Yeah, I said, "Well, hi." Probably the one that I'm answering to would be your guest. The one that's right on top that says, call me by this name. That's the one. And I refused to let her um, do the x-ray. I asked for some, I asked for another technician. 
Right. And I asked to speak to the manager and like, I'm now I'm that problematic trans woman mm-hmm. who's overly sensitive. Penny, I'm like up in arms over here. I, I've been through it too. I mean, it's not that hard. And what you just talked about, like being cast as the problematic trans person, like mm-hmm. it's a thing. Like you stand up for yourself and all of a sudden you're a problem, not the person who is it basically attacking you. What are some things that, Chloe, that you like about your job? I feel really fortunate to work with a lot of good people and to meet a lot of really interesting alumni, friends of universities, and get to touch people's lives. I get to hear their stories. Really, all I ever wanted to do in my life was maybe follow in Penny's footsteps a little bit and be a storyteller. I think it's really important. And I realized at one point that a big part of telling stories is listening to the stories of other people. And the things that people will share with me and a lot of people within the community are monumental and extraordinary. And I I feel very honored to be trusted with those stories and sometimes to share them with others. And I I just love that about about my work and and really about my life in general. What are some things, Chloe, that your colleagues on the job can do um, to make your environment safe? I think we all know that a lot of real decisions and business gets done when we're not in the room. And that that goes for many people of, of marginalized communities, especially outside of management, outside of seniority. I've been in those rooms before. I know exactly what they're saying about me. I need you as an ally to stand up and say, A, that's wrong or hey, we shouldn't be saying those things or really be an advocate. Also push to make something good happen as well. So if someone is thinking about transitioning or they're exploring it, what what do you recommend that they do? Oh, all they have to do is call the main number. We also have a website that you can you know reach out on. But if you call the main number, just make an appointment for a trans intake. And I do all of them by video. But we've been doing that since COVID um, because I don't really need to be in a room with a patient for any reason. So even if they're just looking for information or they want to ask questions, they don't have to go any further if they don't want to. Can um, you give they, that number? Sure, it's uh, 585-545-7200. Yeah, there's actually an Underground Railroad uh, website uh, for people who are like in Rochester to help people get here. You know, like I travel all over the country and I will often, like the places where I perform are usually safe havens, but you know, when I'm driving to Minneapolis, I have to go through some very, very red states to get there. What are some safe places around the world? Like what are some really known cities that are safe places for trans people? Believe it or not, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. It's like whenever you want to talk about legislation or rules that involve trans people, you want to make sure that trans people are like in the room making the rules. Right. So that that's a it's great to have a lot of advocates in Washington D.C. That's one of them. Rochester really is uh, is is astonishingly welcoming, mm-hmm. and I, I like I've got lots of friends in Florida. It's like you should come to Rochester, and like no, there's too much snow. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but, you know, there's there's very few people wanting to, like, you know, legislate you out of existence here. So, you know, potato, potato, right? What about you, Chloe? How's things out there in California, eh? We're doing okay in parts of California. I know we have a reputation uh, as a very 
loose state, and we are, but a lot of that is because of San Francisco and the Bay Area, Los Angeles, maybe a little bit of San Diego, but in between, it gets pretty tricky sometimes. So what I always tell people is you're gonna find good people everywhere you go. You're also gonna find bad people everywhere you go. Right now, don't go to Ohio. There's, I mean, there's certain places in the South, but Ohio for me is off limits. I'll never spend a dollar there. And mm -hmm. that goes the same for many other states too. So just keep your eye out, you know, do your research, make sure that you're paying attention to what's going on. A good thing to do if you're not really sure about somebody else's gender and you don't want to say, hey, so what's your gender? Is to say, hi, my name is Amorette and my pronouns are she, her. Right. That way you are opening yourself up for all the non-trans people out there who are wondering this. And also you are safe to tell me what your pronouns are and I will make sure that I don't misgender you. Do my best to not misgender you. Well, Chloe, Penny, Patrick, thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. That concludes this episode of Workers Rock. Thank you for listening.